Welcome to episode 582 of the Entertainment 2.0 podcast brought to you by the digitalmediazone.com. I'm Josh Pollard. And I'm Richard Gunther, and this is the show that puts you in control of your favorite movies, music, shows, and games. Richard, we we need to get more consistent about this because yeah. every time we do a show together, we're like, hey, it's nice to be recording a show with you again. Hey, it's been a while. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. Um, had some struggles with the move, had, had to go down and do some work at the rental home and back. And, um, and, and I'm really excited we're recording and I'm in my new studio and I think we're doing video if this works out. So people will get to see it. This is not done yet. I'm hoping that within the next couple of weeks, you'll see this kind of transform into a more, uh, studio looking space with sound tile and some other decor. So I'm looking forward to it. Hey man, I've been in my house for. 10 months now and i'm still not done with my studio oh yeah <laughs> so. but come on you have this whole moody blues thing going on you're I, I you're do. in uh you're in good shape there yeah so all the more reason that all of you faithful podcast listeners should head over to our youtube site subscribe follow get the notification ring the bell all that stuff and see the video production that we're putting on here it's a lot of fun yeah uh, what's even more fun, though, is the live recording, which we're also doing. Like, we don't just do this on video with just the two of us. We do this on Twitch also. And there's a chat room so that you can actually participate in the show. It's a lot of fun. And maybe you'll do that more frequently than you've all been emailing us. Because uh, we don't have any listener feedback this week. Uh, if you want to do it the old-fashioned way, you can send us email at entertainment20 at the digital media zone. Dot com. So since there's no listener feedback, I guess we will jump right into the video news like we normally do. First up, CNN Plus. We've been talking about this off and on as it's been starting to come together. We finally have pretty much all of the remaining details on this thing. So CNN Plus will be launching March 29th. We know the cost now, $5.99 a month or $59.99 a year. But if you sign up, they're calling it the deal of a lifetime, Richard. Deal of a lifetime. Wow. To get 50% off your subscription for as long as you are an active customer. Oh, that's interesting. So what are your thoughts on, on the price of this service? Well, at $3 a month, that's a little bit more palatable. I think $6 a month, for one news network, one, with one very pointed perspective on politics, is bonkers. I would not spend $6 a month for one news network. I just wouldn't do it. $3, I might consider it, but I think we've already discussed I couldn't deal without my linear programming, so this isn't going to be for me. Yeah, and, and and this is not an online streamed version of the linear cable TV channel that you would get through cable or whatever, like we've discussed in the past. You know, it, it's interesting that you point out that you you probably wouldn't be willing to spend $6 a month for one cable news provider, but I think that most people only watch one. Like, everybody's got their camp, right? I mean... Do do any CNN fans want Fox News or MSNBC? I would argue that maybe people should be <laughs> watching more than just one news outlet. Honestly, when there's a news event on that I think is significant, I will pretty regularly, not nightly, but maybe once a week or so, bounce over to Fox to see how they're covering it, to see, it, or sometimes if they're covering it. And in fact, um, point in case for the January 6th insurrection or attack or whatever you want to call it last year, I watched that on Fox News. I wanted specifically to see how they were portraying it. and. You know, again, I don't know that everybody or 
even a sizable minority of people are trying to branch out a little bit and and see what different news outlets are saying. But I personally think that's important. So sure, sure. Well, just to to clarify, one other tiny detail here: if you do have a cable TV subscription or you know one of the online streaming. Uh, premium TV subscriptions like a YouTube TV or Hulu with live TV sort of thing, you can sign in and then watch the regular cable TV slash version, you know, sort of version of CNN through CNN Plus when it launches. I I don't like to me though. If if you're already paying for, uh, you know, one of those services, then wouldn't you just watch CNN through that service instead of paying f- for this. Yeah. But the reason you do that is if you want the direct access to their full catalog of back content, which is significant in terms of original series and historical uh, documentaries and stuff like that. A lot of movies you may, may remember, they actually created the Apollo 11 movie. They did the, um, the RGB movie, RBG, I always confuse that. Um, different. <laughs> Ruth Bader Ginsburg, R- not Red RGB, RBG. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and uh, many, many, many other documentaries. So I think that there is a, a, an interest potentially in having access to all of that for folks who maybe already subscribe. And this gives you access to that mobily. I'm curious what will happen when they roll this out, if they're going to get rid of their CNN Go app, I think it's called CNN Go, they are. and maybe just uh, provide you with a login access to this for live stuff, but maybe you don't have to pay to be able to get that live stuff remotely because you're using TV anywhere. I don't know. It'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Right, right. And the the other thing uh, to note is that CNN does have existing contracts for some of their other shows that like with HBO and Netflix and things like that. So that shows, for example, Anthony Bourdain's parts unknown, they're over on some of those other service providers. So for the time being, those will remain there. But once those contracts expire, they're going to yank them back to CNN plus, and that will be the only place that you can find them, which makes sense. Not surprising. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So let's move on. Uh, Discovery and HBO uh, as well. The the Time Warner uh, merger and all of that is is maybe happening, hopefully soon. And once they combine together into Warner Brothers Discovery, their plan is to also combine their two streaming services, those being HBO Max and Discovery Plus. Also not surprising. Well, I I I don't know if surprising is the word that I would use. <laughs> but there there's certainly plenty of precedent for keeping them as separate things and doing a bundle. It works really well for Disney, ESPN and Hulu, and they don't want to do that. They they think that a bundle is the wrong option and they would rather combine the two. We don't exactly know what that's going to look like whether it really is combining one app or whether they remain separate apps but it's one subscription that logs you into both apps and then perhaps most importantly we don't know what it'll cost right now you can get this uh discovery plus starting at five dollars a month and hbo max starting at ten dollars a month now i say starting at because both of those tiers have ads. So if you were to pay for both of these without ads, you're looking at about $26 a month. Do you think that a combined service is going to be $26 a month? No, absolutely not. They would lose too many customers who just care about the HBO stuff. They have to do this in a way that makes it relatively painless. Maybe add a buck or two. I I just don't see them combining the costs and and making you bear that burden. I think they're going to absorb most of this. Yeah, I, I do feel like that's the way they have to do this, but I, I don't know. You you don't want to shortchange the discovery stuff too much, I don't think, but I don't know. 
that that's weird. We'll we'll just have to wait and see what that combined service ends up costing. But I agree. I don't think it's going to be twenty six dollars a month. That would be too much. Yeah, I I just don't see that happening. Now, on the other hand, who knows? I mean, Chip and Joanna may be demanding quite a fee. So who knows? True. Good point. <laughs> well, another service that is popular but does bundles and currently doesn't have an ad supported tier. Disney Plus, they're looking into one. They've actually confirmed they're going to introduce an ad supported tier of their service at some point this year, probably, you know, late in the year. Uh, and they'll do this first in the US and then they'll roll out this ad supported version around, you know, other parts of the world in 2023. Again, no pricing details announced here. I think this makes sense. It's going to help them, uh, you know, sign up more subscribers because it'll cost less money for people. But I don't know. I always get nervous about these ad-supported tiers, right? I mean, for TV shows, there's there's good points within the TV shows to put ads because right. they have to. Right. But for movies, that can get kind of weird and dicey. Disney knows their content better than anybody. I'm sure they're going to do this well, I guess. But again, the question will be, how much of a discount are we talking here? It's worth mentioning that Disney owns the best special effects and sound studios in the entire world. I think if a company can figure this out, they can figure <laughs> this out. I, I, I don't know what to think about this. I wonder, we, I think we've heard that they plan to increase the price or that they've talked about increasing the price by a dollar at some point in time. Maybe this is part of that. Maybe part of this is if you're going to continue to get no ads, you're going to pay a little bit more, but you don't have to. You can get stuff ad with ads and you can pay a little less and that might be appealing to some customers. So you think maybe the the ad-free version comes in at like $9 a month and the with ad version is $6 a month or something like that? I don't think the price is going to be that high isn't it currently seven dollars for yeah i think it's 6.99 i thought they were just going to bump it up a dollar okay if i remember correctly i think it was going to go to they were talking about taking it to 7.99 so you know maybe this comes in at at five dollars or something like that five dollars seems right yeah yeah all right let's move on to some audio news and Richard, you have been thinking about soundbars and with with your new house. I don't know if you've have you purchased one yet. Funny you should ask. We'll talk about that. Okay. Well, interesting. That that sounds like yes. Uh, and, <laughs> <laughs> but Polk has a new one worth uh, worth looking into. I think so. This this new soundbar is called the Magnify Mini AX. Almost like if you read it or say it fast, it almost sounds like the Magnify Mini Max, which would be kind of a weird name. This thing is really small for a soundbar. It is 14 and a half inches wide, which underneath a 65 inch TV is probably going to look comically small. But this thing supposedly, not supposedly, it does have five speakers inside of it and it will support. 3D audio for in the Dolby Atmos and DTSX formats, and Dol or Polk has their own 3D audio thing that they do. It's probably more for music. It has other features like a voice adjust function, which will do uh, basically tune to really increase. It's probably primarily increasing the volume of the spoken parts of TV and movies so that you can hear speech a little bit easier. There's also a night mode for reducing bass and things like that. It has all of the other features you would expect, like AirPlay 2, Chromecast, Spotify Connect, all of those things. And of course, this connects to your TV through HDMI ARC or eARC or optical or a you know an aux in type connector. It also has Bluetooth for connecting wow. your, your devices that way. It's got everything. Yeah, and and it should 
because it's not a, an absolute bargain basement price. It this is a four hundred ninety nine dollar soundbar, but it does include a wireless subwoofer. Mm-hmm. So wireless sub, pretty small box for the soundbar that supposedly recreates Dolby Atmos, despite the fact that it doesn't have upward firing speakers. Is this well? Let's get in the rest of it and. You can also, if you want, buy additional surround sound speakers that are also wireless, like like the subwoofer is, for 170 bucks. So you could have essentially, I mean, it, you could you could call it like a virtual 5.1.2, sure, I guess, <laughs> right? Because it's Atmos um, for 670 dollars. What do you what do you think of this price? And what do you think of the chances that it sounds pretty good? Well, I mean we've we've seen and heard a number of different Polk soundbars, and they usually come in at more bargain prices than this. They usually are hitting a lower price point. But still, they usually sound pretty decent. So for them to be putting this much of a price tag on something suggests to me that there's some pretty serious confidence in this thing and its ability to perform. I'd love to get to hear it at some point in time. And kind of more importantly, and I, I don't see anything about this, but you know, when, when I was looking for a sound bar, one of the things that, oh, I just gave it away. I said was, uh, one of the things that I was looking at is if I was going to buy a soundbar that wasn't that, that was wireless or that worked with wireless speakers and wasn't part of my existing wireless system, which is Sonos, that I wanted it to be WISA based because I I I wanted to have something that was going to work with a standard that I could maybe use some other stuff with and. I don't see anything about this being WISA, although I no. thought I had read at some point in time that Polk was exploring doing WISA stuff. So I don't know. Yeah. The the other thing that is really interesting here is that just a few episodes back, we talked about Polk releasing their first Dolby Atmos soundbar. It was the Cigna S4. It's bigger. It has seven speakers in it, not not just the five that that's, that are in this one, and two of them are actually up firing Atmos speakers. It also includes a wireless sub and you know most of this other stuff, and it's four hundred dollars. Hmm. Yeah, maybe you're paying for the amazing shrinking technology they used <laughs> to make it smaller. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I, I'm really not sure, and and maybe a lot of that comes down to the subwoofer because subwoofer matters a lot, and I I don't know, I'm I'm really curious about both of these. I would love to get my hands and ears on both of them to see how how they perform because if it's a hundred bucks more, and frankly, I don't know, like I'm not sure that it being smaller is a good thing in in any way. Like, I I don't need it to be smaller. It's under a giant TV. And being smaller, I think, makes it look a little weird. Like, you're if you're used to seeing soundbars, you're used to them being rather wide and kind of proportionate to your TV. And this looks like a Bluetooth speaker sitting underneath of your television. (laughs) I don't think it's that bad. I think it looks more like a center channel speaker. Maybe, yeah, that's that's probably. In more fact, accurate. it's funny because now that I think about it, I have a Polk center channel speaker, and it looks a lot like this. Yeah, so very curious. I, I wonder if these are in stores or any place where we could go and and check these out, or maybe we should just talk to Polk and see if we can check these out because they're very interesting. And while I. I I've been someone in the past who's, you know, really de- decried anyone using soundbars. Like, they're they've come a long way in ten years, and for for some living rooms and stuff, they're really your only decent option. So 
Uh, I, I, I am a little bit more curious to see how this new Polk Magnify Mini AX stacks up, especially from like a Adobe Atmos perspective. That would be really interesting. All right, let's move on to Spotify. I love Spotify. Everyone knows, you know, longtime listeners know how much I love Spotify, but they're, they just kind of feel like they're doing some less than cool things lately. We, we talked recently that late last year, they had released their own in-car streaming option called the car thing. It is a $90, uh, piece of hardware that you connect to both your phone and your car's stereo so that you can play and control Spotify through your car from your phone. So it still requires your phone and all of that. And it seems okay. Like it it seems like a cool control unit, but I'm not sure that it's necessarily better than just using your phone in like Android auto mode or something like that. Mm -hmm. But last fall before the car thing officially launched, Spotify removed functionality from the phone app that would give you, you know, more driving optimized user interface controls because they wanted you to use this. Now they are removing functionality from car stereo head units that have built in support for Spotify. So JVC, Kenwood, and Pioneer head units. I actually had one of these in in the car that I just got rid of. Uh, I had I had one of these Pioneer head units that I, I knew it had some sort of support for uh, for Spotify built in, but I never really used it because I just used Bluetooth and used Android Auto on my phone or whatever. Ding 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 ding. ding well, exactly. Uh, but apparently, you could actually do some interesting Spotify things from these from these head units you, you you could thumbs up and thumbs down tracks you could shuffle you could like hold a shuffle button to say make a, a playlist out of songs like this like there were a lot of things that you could do directly from the head unit things that maybe you shouldn't be doing while you're driving anyway <laughs> because they definitely require your eyes to do right. some of these things right so Spotify just decided, yeah, we're not going to support any of that anymore. Um, you can still use Bluetooth and stuff, but they didn't even really announce it. They just yanked support from it. It's just gone. And it, it, it just feels like another way for them to say, well, we, we've got an option for you. It'll just cost you $90. Well, yeah, ridiculously named thing is free. Right. You have Bluetooth in all likelihood. Most of these head units also offer Bluetooth. It's old, but in many cases, but it's still an option. Also, many of these offer USB input as an option. This does not surprise me at all. Most of these third party music integrations with these head unit manufacturers were janky, they were inconsistent. A lot of the the experience was very cumbersome and and like you said, not road friendly. So I just think this is the right move. I don't like that they didn't say anything about it, that they didn't have some sort of sunsetting announcement or give people a heads up that this was coming. But I do think that this is the right move in like for today and where technology is and you know, you're a software developer. I work in an area where software development is happening and and we influence decisions based on where your users are. And if your users aren't there, then why spend resources supporting these third-party things when you have Bluetooth, you have USB, you have audio services that they make work through Android audio Android audio or or sorry android auto or through apple carplay so there are so many options this just seems like a no brainer uh i i don't know and and i i i don't while i love android auto and, and i think if you're in in the ios ecosystem 
Apple CarPlay is is also a, a really good solution. There's still millions of cars out there that don't have those, and to buy a head unit for your car to get that uh, could be hundred, you know, is five hundred bucks or more, uh, de- depending on it. So those aren't options for everybody. And I think that while I, I get your point that that you're making about designing for the right interface and all of that. Sure, when you're working on something new, but we're talking about ripping out a feature that people have had for for years for no apparent good reason. And you could absolutely make the argument of like, well, they they do have to support these features for a long time. How long should they have to support these? My guess is that they built these on on pretty simple APIs that aren't actually all that hard to support, and they're probably not planning to sunset most, if not any of those of those APIs because it's all pretty standard stuff at this point. So this feels more sinister than just, yeah, we're, we're getting rid of this because they don't make sense anymore. Okay. I, I, I don't agree, but that's fine. <laughs> I, I mean, I, you're acting as if they can't, these, these customers can't still use the USB or Bluetooth connection that they had to use anyway to use this app. No, I, I'm not. I'm not trying to imply that at all. They, they absolutely can. And and like I said, I had one of these head units and didn't even know it could do this right. stuff because I didn't care. But there are definitely some people out there who did care. Sure, probably there's got to be a dozen or so. Right? There, <laughs> at least a dozen. No, I, I mean I don't mean to make light of it. But again, the numbers just they they had to have done this based on some data that the, the numbers just don't make sense and you also said that they're ripping it out are they actually making it non functional or are they just no longer going to update it and at some point in time it may not be usable anymore it sounds like they're making it non functional if i hadn't hmm. sold my car last week i could go out and try it <laughs> <laughs> but but I, I, I can't do it hands-on anymore. All right, well, why don't we move on to some gaming news? And there's a lot of stories in here, but I'm promising you that I'm going to do them all quite quickly. So first up, uh, a, a quick one for those of you who really like Xbox cloud game streaming on your iOS devices, you are probably familiar with the fact that it's maybe not the most performant thing and, and maybe has a little bit more latency and stuff in it than what you would really prefer. They've pushed out some updates that has that have apparently increased that performance, reduced the latency, and just generally all around improved how well uh, cloud game streaming works on iOS devices. Reminder that this only works through a web, uh, through a web browser on on iPhones and iPads because they got into that fight with Apple over whether or not it could be in the App Store. It can't. So you just do it through a web browser. That's apparently gotten better. And apparently this has been out for a little while because Microsoft is already saying that they're seeing 35% longer play sessions from users since they've enabled uh, these these improvements or, or rolled out these improvements, which 35% is huge. And they're also seeing a significant increase in positive player feedback. So that's probably, um, well, actually, I know what that almost definitely is. Whenever you use cloud game streaming and you finish playing a game, it feels like it's every time. Maybe it's not every time, but it feels like every time you finish playing a game, it pops up uh, essentially a micro survey asking you, how did your experience go? And so people must be responding much, much better uh, for that on iOS and iPad OS devices. As a reminder, if you do want to check out Xbox Cloud Gaming, you will need to subscribe to Xbox Game Pass Ultimate, which is $14.99 a month and also gets you the Xbox Game Pass library for consoles, Xbox consoles, and for PC. It is the it's called Ultimate because it gets you everything. Okay. Uh Microsoft also announced that their direct storage APIs are now available and ready to be used by developers. And what that means is the crazy fast uh loading of data from 
storage from specifically NVMe storage devices is going to be coming to Windows 10 and 11 PCs soon. And that that means the same sorts of storage performance that people are getting on Xbox Series X and S consoles on your PC. You might be thinking, what do you mean? Like I we've had NVMe storage devices forever. Well, the this this API, this direct storage API, when it reads the data off of those incredibly fast storage devices, the difference here is that it sends that data straight to your GPU for doing things like data d- decompression and things like that, and your GPU does it way faster than what your CPU can do, which is how it works right now. So all of this is is going to be really good news for PC gamers. You're going to get that same sort of performance that Series X gamers have been getting for about a year and a half now. Unfortunately, it's probably not going to come all that quickly because they're just releasing the API now to game developers. So You've also got to wait for the game developers to build it into their games. And then, of course, this all depends on you having the right hardware in your computer. You're going to have to have the right NVMe SSD. You're going to have to have the right uh, motherboards and things like that. But all of this coming this year, I I think, is is safe to say. No excuse to buy hardware. Yeah, if you can find any of it. I mean, it's impossible (laughs) to buy anything right now. Good point. I don't know. Maybe those maybe those hard drives aren't hard to buy and, and maybe those motherboards aren't hard to buy. It it seems like it's I it's the GPUs that are the problem, right? Uh so also if you're just playing on a console, well the March Xbox update is out now and there's a couple of of cool features coming out. The first one that they are announcing is the ability to pin games for quick resume and quick resume is that feature where you can switch to another game and it essentially just stores everything that was happening in in the game in that really fast storage and nvme storage so that you can pop right back into the game that you were just in without having to reload the whole game it's awesome when it works it works. It, it, it's it's great not having to, to wait for those load times. With this pin option, you can pick up to two games and just say, always keep these things uh, in in this quick resume state so that the the only time they aren't in quick resume is if I manually close them. The way it is now, it'll keep somewhere between five to seven games in quick resume. I think it kind of depends on what games you're playing and, and things like that. Um, but if if you cycle through a lot of different games, then some of them are going to fall off of that list of, of being quick resumed. This allows you to to keep some of them in quick resume. Maybe I just don't play enough games for this to matter, or maybe it's that I'm still slightly cynical at the fact that if I have issues with games on my Xbox Series X, it's largely because of quick resume. So I find myself force closing games anyway due to other issues related to Quick Resume. So I will not be rushing to pin any games to Quick Resume. That that most of my games are just in Quick Resume anyway. Isn't this something they've been trying to get right since the Xbox One? Um, I don't think Xbox One had anything quite like this. No? I mean... I mean, you had the ability to pivot between, maybe it wasn't games specifically, but you could pivot between, uh, if I remember correctly, the live media mode, the, um, like some, some game that you might have running and maybe like a streaming app or something like that. And you could quickly jump from one to the other. I thought that was kind of like a predecessor to this. No, you're, you're right about that. It, It was for apps. Yeah, that that you could basically switch in into apps and a game pretty quickly. So if if you were running a game and Spotify or a game in some TV streaming app or whatever, you could switch back and forth between those quickly. The difference here in the Series X and Series S is that you can quickly switch between games, which would normally have multi-minute load times for some yep. games. Yeah. 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 
the the other thing that they're rolling out to everybody is the ability to remap what the share button does on the controller. This wasn't very long ago that we were talking about this feature rolling out um, to testers, you know, alpha ring and and all that sort of craziness for for people who are doing beta testing of Xbox software on their consoles. It's now available to everybody. And they've also introduced a new audio setup wizard so that you can pick different, you know, surround sound modes and stuff like that from the from the Xbox itself and test speaker placement and that, you know, it's sending the correct sound to the correct channels and all of that stuff. So that's all that's all good, I guess. Um I'm not too excited about setup wizard. The the share button I think is cool. Uh the pin to quick resume, meh. I think I'll pass on that. One thing that is cool though that also rolled out on Xboxes over the last couple of weeks is they've they've now made it so that if you have your Xbox running in energy saver mode, it will do background updates of the Xbox software itself and game software. Previously, this only worked if you had your Xbox in standby mode. There were basically two modes here. Standby, which is what basically everybody used because if you, you know, much like a Windows PC, if you just put your computer to sleep or in standby and you open the lid or, you know, hit the keyboard or whatever, it comes up basically immediately. Same sort of thing with your Xbox. It, you turn it on with a controller or whatever, and almost immediately you're at the dashboard. If you're in ener- energy saver mode, it uses far less power, but it takes a little while to boot up, and it wouldn't do anything while it was in energy saver mode. So basically everybody left their Xbox in standby mode so that it would do all of those updates. Because if your Xbox gets a... 700 megabyte update and you don't have blazing fast internet uh, a it's going to take a while to download and then b it's going to take a while to do all of the install stuff so it just does all of that for you when you're not playing it you know maybe in the middle of the night or whatever well now they're making it do all of that stuff while it's in energy saver mode and it's kind of a big deal because according to them Energy saver mode, when it's not receiving updates and doing all of that sort of stuff, uses 20 times less power than standby mode. 20 times, not 20% or something like that. 20 times less power. Yeah, that's stunning. Yeah, it's... Although, what I would like to see in this article is... So what are we talking in terms of actual watts and, and stuff here? Because... They're probably pretty small numbers already. Right, right. But, I mean, vampire power is additive across devices around your home. So, right. you know, if you're really trying to keep stuff from drawing energy when you're not using it, certainly a mode that allows you to quick resume, <laughs> wrong terminology, but <laughs> uh, <laughs> to resume quickly it, on your Xbox might just you know, be one of the bigger draws. Yeah, for sure. Now, if you don't have a Series X or Series S, you might be thinking, I don't care if it uses 20 times less power. I'm not switching to that mode because it takes forever for the Xbox One to boot. I get you. I hear you. Yeah, I I wouldn't switch either. But with the Series X and the Series S, these things reboot insanely quickly. So they're actually making this energy saver mode now the default mode, whereas the standby mode was the default. So I'm going to go and switch my Series X to energy saver mode. Why not? Like there's there's basically nothing to be lost here. So I'm, I'm excited about this. Uh, probably more excited than I should be for an energy saver mode on my game, game console, but I, I think it's a really good thing. So if you've got a Series X or Series S, go switch your Xbox to energy saver mode. There's really no reason not to at this point. This is a really, really nice update. And it's it makes so much sense because it doesn't have to do much, right? It's just like a heartbeat. It's just saying, hey, anything new? And it only probably has to do that like once a day. Right. Right. Probably. Yeah. 
And you know, Dan Dan in the chat is saying that he he hopes the Xbox Series X and S are faster. Yeah, Dan, I reboot my my Series X occasionally when I've had weird issues. It's like less than a minute to reboot this thing. the The Xbox One was many minutes to reboot those things. It's it's really fast. It's it's probably far less than a minute, but I haven't I've not actually timed it or anything. All right, last gaming news story. And this is probably the story that I'm most excited to talk about out of anything that we're going to talk about tonight. And it's a bundle that uh, of of PC games that you should go buy, that everybody should go buy, even if you're not a PC gamer. Like, why not? Because this, this is a bundle from, I just pronounced this site itch.io. It's itch.io, but I think it's supposed to be pronounced itch.io. And they're doing a bundle of almost 1,000 games. It's mostly games. There's, It's mostly PC games, but there's even some like pen and paper games. Some of them are like mobile games. Uh, some of these are like asset packs for you to make games out of and things like that. But it's mostly a giant collection of PC games that you can buy for $10. And you should go and do it because all of the money goes to support charities who are helping Ukraine. And I was really excited to talk about this last week when I was planning to do a show before my week got insane and I got sick and could barely talk by the time I got to the end of the day. Because if you're listening to the recording of this, you have hours left to go and buy this. As we're recording this, it's only got a little over two days left that it'll be available. Um, This is the same company that back in June of 2020 did a very similar bundle that they called the Bundle for Racial Justice and Equality. We were plugging it back then. Uh, Go and buy this. Uh, In in fact, normally in in this part of the show, when we're done with the news, I would tell you to go and share our podcast with other people. Forget all that. Don't, Don't go and tell people to subscribe to the show this week. Go and support Ukraine instead. And here you get a thousand games while you do it. So there's really no reason not to. All right, Richard, with that, let's move on to what's going on in our entertainment centers. And now that we've kind of got a little bit of a spoiler, we want to know what soundbar it is that you did buy. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. So I had mentioned this before. I, I was trying to figure out how to handle audio in our family room. Because we have nothing. We have no installed speakers. Right now, we are listening to television and movies through, brace yourself, the television. It's awful. So yeah, that's terrible. That I, I can't believe you've done that for more than a couple of days. <laughs> right. Right. So I was doing a lot of research and ultimately decided I didn't want to pay the cost for most of the things I saw out there that were WISA enabled, which is why I was hoping that we could, you know, find some other stuff that might be uh, introduced there, but nothing that really worked for us. And so ultimately I ended up ordering the Sonos Arc, which is their large soundbar designed for home theater. It can be used with or without a subwoofer. It can also be paired with rear speakers from Sonos for true surround sound, as opposed to the simulated surround that the Arc can project. So I'll be interested to see how that all works when we get it set up. Here's the thing, though. I actually ordered this about three weeks ago, and it probably won't be here until the end of March. Yikes. The Sonos Arc is one of those things that you just can't buy right now unless you want it in white. And then everyone has one. But the black Sonos Arc is a rare thing to be found. (laughs) Not available in stores anywhere that I could find. Not available from Sonos directly. So, and remember, Sonos has that deal where if you have an old speaker, you can qualify now without disabling the old speaker for an upgrade to a newer speaker that supports all their new features. So I took advantage of one of those 
30% discounts Whoa. on one of my devices. I forgot right. it was 30%. It depends on the device, but I had one of the devices that qualified as 30%. So that's a nice chunk. A huge, huge chunk. Yeah, that's yeah. that's great. So I'm looking forward to this. I'm hoping in a couple of weeks I'll be able to report on how this sounds. The other challenge that I had is I need something with a very, very small footprint because I do not have much surface space to put this on and I don't have an ability to mount it because my TV is currently on a very nice piece of furniture. So I need to figure out how to basically slide this right in front of it. And I think with the design of the arc and it's two feet on the ends, this is going to kind of be perfect, but I'll report back and let y'all know. Good. Can't wait. Uh, Meanwhile, I think I had mentioned that I wasn't able to find my Apple TV. And so we were using the TiVo stream again. And yes, we have been doing that. And yes, that's why I was using Sling TV as my stream streaming linear TV provider. I found my Apple TV finally. So I ditched the TiVo stream. Now we're back on Apple TV using the new good Apple TV remote, one remote, everything through Apple TV. And since I didn't have any advantage of an integrated guide anymore with TiVo stream, I canceled my TiVo stream subscription and started a trial of YouTube TV. The advantage that YouTube TV gives me is the locals, which Sling just does not offer. Right. And so I had to go to channels to watch the locals over the air and then go to sling to watch the cable. And that was annoying for me. I can't even imagine how annoying that was for Edward. So (laughs) I, I have everything in one place right now. I'm not thrilled by the overall experience of the app, but I'll give it some time and see what I think of it. And, you know, maybe we'll use it for a couple months and then I'll try Hulu. Maybe we'll just do a little round robin of all the streaming <laughs> services and uh, see which one we end up landing on. Right. Man, Richard, you've been slumming it. You've had TV speakers, <laughs> a TiVo Stream 4K, which is, man, like I- I've got that hooked up in our basement. And every time I have to use the basement TV, I'm like, oh, I- this thing is not not good. It's It's so slow. <laughs> It is slow. I don't think it's a bad experience, but it is slow. And, you know, one of the things that I wrote about when they came out, and the thing that I think makes that such a brilliant option, if the hardware were better, and someday we may see a better hardware TiVo stream, but it is just the fact that it is a good integration of linear television and of apps in one interface. And it includes most of the apps in their uh, kind of curated experience, which even Apple TV can't do because Netflix still ain't playing. Right. Right. So, yeah. So I think we're getting to a good place. We'll see how that goes. Now, I mentioned that I was using channels with over the air and I, I still have that available. I am getting some re- reception glitches, which is um, not surprising but I need to do a little bit more research there. I have a feeling that might have more to do with my, let's say makeshift termination of the existing coax (laughs) than of the actual antenna and everything else. So I'm going to, I, I bought an actual uh, set of terminating. I don't know what you call them, but the, the plugs that you put at the end and I bought the actual thing that crimps them properly instead of the cheesy screw on ones that I was using. So hopefully we'll get this better and that'll be in good shape. I like the idea of using that as just kind of a, a backup DVR like that can record stuff over the air and it gets in my experience, just a lot better reception than a a lot of the streaming services and, and (laughs) certainly better than sling was. (laughs) Right. Yeah. So uh, now I mentioned that I was down at the rental home. And while I was there, I set up the Xbox that I had purchased for visitors to use. 
and I had bought an Xbox Series S months and months ago. I actually left it down there because uh, I, I had hoped that when you and I were there to um, be focusing on CES stuff, that we'd have a chance to get it set up, but we didn't. And I I finally have that set up there now. And let me tell you, I had to create a whole new account for that because I didn't really want it on my own personal account. I wanted it as separate and associated with the company as opposed to my me as a person. And then I also needed to create a default gamer tag so that there was something there on the device itself just as a, a kind of starting point. And then I had to figure out all of the settings to set it up and kind of lock people out, like parental settings, lock people out of buying stuff and anything else. But of course, they can switch and log in with their own ID. This whole process, what a pain in the butt. I, I, I just cannot believe for someone who is technically inclined, like I am, for someone who has had Xboxes in the past and has configured and set up Xboxes in the past, and for someone who has a Microsoft account, what a hassle it was to start from scratch and get this all working. Multiple times I had problems with the Xbox app, which you're supposed to use to configure a lot of the stuff on the Xbox now, connecting to the device. Even today, my app and the device cannot communicate with each other. They don't recognize that they've already been paired, that that it has been identified and is part of the app. I had it working, and then it stopped working. And I have absolutely no idea why. I also ended up in this weird situation where when I set up the code, which you have to enter with a gamepad, and wow, that's a hassle, it doesn't show you what you're entering while you're entering it. You get asterisks. So it doesn't show you, and yet you're using this weird combination of things on the thing, and you just have to trust that you got it right, that you entered what you think you entered, and that you got it right. Yeah. Well, I managed not to. <laughs> it's, it's usually not that hard. And so then I had to find out how you can actually get rid of a forgotten lockout code and get that set up again. And then also, what is with these ridiculous numbers that they throw at the end of everybody's gamer tag now, even though a tag you want may be completely available, you can't have it without numbers because people were taking all the good tags. Well, I I think you can get it without numbers if no one else has it. Like, mine does not have numbers after it. But how recently did you create that? Mm, Many, many years years ago. ago, Right. (laughs) Right. Mine doesn't either. But now the explanation that I read because they have, what are these numbers as a little question mark thing that you click on to find out what that's about is that because, you know, so many good tags were getting taken up that this guarantees everybody a chance to get a good tag. Right. Okay. But how's it a good tag when I have to tell somebody my gamer tag? Oh, plus five, three, eight, two, nine. Like who's going to remember that? It's not great. They're not the only ones doing this, though. Like, Discord works the same way on PCs. Uh, Don't get me started about the Discord experience. (laughs) You you and I were sending some messages back and forth while you were working on this. I've never heard of anyone having as many problems setting up an Xbox as you did. It was ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. So I hope I don't have to ever do that again. But hey, if you ever rent our place, there's a really nice series s there just waiting for you to uh (laughs) use your own gamer tag to play some of your fun games and i bet you didn't put it in energy saver mode next time you go back put it in energy saver mode. i didn't because i again i didn't want people to have to wait for the downloads right 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 exactly all right well as far as watching tv been uh well let's see the amazing race is over and uh, that was one. And it was one with a, a historic win. So that was kind of cool. I was excited about that. Uh, the uh, Celebrity Big Brother 
mess that I was watching ended and that ended pretty much the way I expected to, not the way I wanted it to, but that was, that was a, a pretty good quick series, quick run. I've been watching discovery. Uh, I tried to watch the most recent episode last night and fell asleep because it was way late. So I need to watch that again because that is getting much better than it was when it started. But I still don't know how I feel about this whole like one season story arc thing. That whole, that whole trope kind of annoys me. It strikes me as a way of keeping a series of alive when you've, I don't know, lost the ability to write good, um, independent stories for for episode to episode but whatever uh last week tonight is back so we've been catching up on that saturday night live has been pretty good recently for some reason we've watched a lot of house hunters i don't know why we're in a house we're not moving not sure why we want to watch other people go through that pain but maybe it's to share the pain and um i'm gonna stop predicting when new amsterdam seasons or the series itself are over because I'm just getting it wrong again and again and again. New Amsterdam came out with new episodes. Who knew? I had no idea they were coming. Uh, the season's not over, which is great. I'll just enjoy it and stop trying to figure out what's going on. Watched a couple movies, watched Ghostbusters Afterlife. I think we might have mentioned that last time, actually. Uh, watched Office Space. When uh, I was down at the vacation home, we had some of our friends there, and uh, not everybody had seen that, so we watched that, and then uh, rewatched Jojo Rabbit, which was really, I think, my favorite movie from 2020, if I remember correctly. Maybe it was 2019, I don't know, but that was a fantastic film. Absolutely loved it. That is what I've been up to a lot. There's been a lot to catch up on. It's been a while. It makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. How about you? More than you might expect. Okay. A, a little bit of uh, service cleanup for me. Uh, the Olympics were over, so I canceled Peacock, although not in time. I didn't cancel. I Because I didn't do the thing. I didn't do the smart thing. When I signed up for it, I did not put a reminder in my phone to say, Always. Hey, dummy. Cancel Always. this. Yep. Yeah, so I didn't realize that I should cancel it until I saw the notification that it billed me another month, but I did. Um, I did. I was just kind of going through some stuff and went, oh, look, I'm still paying for Sling. Why? I don't need Sling. College football's not on. Um, <laughs> we're at least a month or so away from the NHL playoffs. Why don't I go at least a month without Sling? And that's when I also realized, oh, I was still paying for... Um, not Lifetime, I don't know, one of those extra add-on packs that included like, oh, Hallmark Channel. Yeah, Hallmark. I was, like, was going to say was, Hallmark. Please tell me it's not Hallmark. It, it was, it it was, was Hallmark because Jen, Jen was like, oh, I'm going to watch Hallmark oh, movies yeah. with Eden okay. for Christmas. Yeah, they never watched right. any of them. Um, <laughs> Throw them under the bus. Yeah, well, I mean, I don't blame them. It's trash. But yeah, so, you know, canceled both of those. Uh, in terms of gaming, obviously some NHL, I did finally get around to playing Halo Infinite. Uh played with, with the guys that I normally play games with. And I've never been a huge Halo fan. I I enjoyed my, my time with, with Halo Infinite. I mean, unsurprisingly, it's a really good Halo game. I just haven't really been into Halo all that much, but I had a lot of fun playing it the the couple of nights that that we played it. So I I will definitely play some more. I did not like immediately uninstall it from my Xbox like we have many other games that we've played in the past. <laughs> uh but that's it for what I've been gaming. Um in terms of watching stuff, I hack actually have been watching some other stuff. I was very surprised to come home Sunday afternoon and my 13-year-old daughter was watching Formula One Drive to Survive on Netflix. It's like this Netflix docu-series of Formula One seasons. And I was like, why are you... Like, you don't care about Formula One. Why are you watching this? <laughs> and 
She said, well, I've heard it's really good. And I said, yeah, I, I've heard the same thing too. Uh, and she said, uh, I, I've watched racing for years with you. And that's when I gave her the look. Like, I, I don't think that, that we, we view this the same way. You being in the house <laughs> while I watch racing is not us watching racing together. <laughs> but she's sticking with it and she's really enjoying the series. So she's Gosh, can, take the win. Just take oh, the for win. For sure. For sure. Like I will much rather uh, walk into the living room and sit down and watch a little bit of a series about formula one over watch walking into her watching pretty little liars or some other garbage show like that. So uh, that's been nice. And then the other thing that I've been watching, and again, this is through someone else. Jen is finally, watching the good place. And so I've, I've watched a few episodes of that with her. It is very nice to, to wind in the living room and to see that show on. I will always sit down for a few minutes to watch a little bit of the good place. That's awesome. It's that's, so good. that's, that's such a nice show, you yeah. know? Yeah. Yeah. She's now, but it's not going to last long because she's really liking it. So she's already into season three and there's only four seasons. Yeah. So this this won't last long, but maybe she'll rewatch it the way that she's rewatched Shit's Creek so many times. And then <laughs> I, I forgot to mention we rewatched season six, the final season of Shit's Creek. <laughs> right. It's just something that people do. Yeah. Uh, hopefully, you don't cry as much as Jen does every time she rewatches. <laughs> <laughs> it's just that good. Like, I'm not trying to say anything bad. Like those last couple of episodes of Shit's Creek were really well done. <laughs> very, very yeah. funny. So, uh, and then reading, I mentioned on probably the last episode, maybe it was a, a couple of episodes ago that I had read a book called the three body problem, a, a, a sci-fi book from a Chinese author. I don't remember how I described it in the past. And I, would struggle to describe the first book now. The first book was probably like a 15-ish hour audiobook. I'm almost done with the second. It's a three-part series. The second one is like 25 hours. And this book has gone places and gone through a lot of years. And it's it's been a lot. Uh and and it's overall been really good. So if you're if you're into hard sci-fi uh and yeah like i mean that's that's pretty much it like it's it's more more like traditional sci-fi like a lot of people like when they hear hard sci-fi they're like oh like the martian yes kind of like the martian except that the martian is a little bit more realistic in that it's just one person out on mars and yeah well like we could see this happening this is a far far bigger plot um that's still somewhat realistic but it's a much, much bigger ordeal, but it, it's good. It, it's definitely worth checking out. And I think that's it. I, there were a lot of things going on over the last couple of weeks, but I, I think that's it. If not, I'll add on more next week, I suppose. There you go. Yeah. Okay. So if you want to get a hold of us, there's a lot of ways you can do that. We're on Twitter at Richard Gunther, at Josh Pollard, websites at DigiMediaZone. We also do the show live, usually Tuesday nights, 8.30 p.m. Eastern. You should really just stop saying that. Um, I mean, okay, fine. Usually Tuesdays or Wednesdays? Is that fair? There you go. Sure. Because uh, it's not going to be the next couple of Tuesdays, I can tell you that, because the next couple of Tuesdays are going to be crazy for me. Um, but we've had a bunch of people in the chat tonight, uh, uh, some, some new names in there. Uh, it's been a lot of fun for us, and I think a lot of fun for those of you who show up. So follow us on Twitter. I always tweet when we're going to do the show live. Follow us on Twitch and you'll get notified as soon as we go live and you won't have to miss a single episode. Uh, but you should also just head on over to the website where you can get all of the show notes, links to every story that we talked about tonight, links to our YouTube page so that you can see the video and our other podcast. Richard does a show called Home On. That's I do. Well, <laughs> maybe sometimes you do yeah. you doing one soon maybe any chance yeah so i i actually have the first couple of episodes planned out and i'm working with the first guest to get that scheduled uh first couple episodes are going to include 
a company, a um, a, a a fellow smart home podcaster, and a uh, another industry expert. So I'm I'm really looking forward to getting back at it. It has been a year. It's been a year since Homon has been published. So uh, I'm happy to get going on this again. Yeah, and and we can't wait to hear new episodes. I'm sure it's going to be great. All right, well, that's going to do it for episode 582. He's Richard Gunther, and I'm Josh Pollard. Thanks for listening to Entertainment 2.0. Adios. Goodbye.